call it psychological abuse. Yeah. And really what I'm advocating for is psychological safety in the workplace. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So it's harder for people to wrap their heads around the, the anti-bullying thing. It sounds very, you know, we're going to be out there with our flags and, and picketing in front of your office. But really, it's about psychological safety in the workplace. And the reason for me, I feel very strongly that business and organizations are going to be far more successful and have far more employee engagement if the people feel, if the staff feel psychologically safe. That's kind of, you know, the end game for me. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast brought to you by Carvera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. This is episode 70. Our special guest is Leslie Levy August. The title of today's episode is Stop Workplace Bullying, the realities and costs of workplace bullying and strategies to eliminate it. Leslie is an expert on workplace bullying. Sadly, she's an expert because she has experienced it firsthand, not just witnessing it, but being the target of it. As a business owner, as a manager, and that person who was intentionally set out to be bullied against in this very toxic workplace. So Leslie is now a radical about eradicating workplace bullying. She's here to talk to us today about what we need to know about workplace bullying. What is it? What is it not? What are some of the strategies we can use in our businesses to help minimize and eliminate workplace bullying? And most important, what's the win? What are the benefits in cost reduction and in increased productivity and team engagement when we take this issue seriously, when we get to work? and get intentional about eliminating workplace bullying. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Today we have Leslie Levy August with us. And boy, I'm going to tell you, this is the first guest we've had on this topic. We've had talk about team engagement and healthy workplaces, but Leslie brings a unique perspective on workplace bullying and toxic work environments. Hmm. And not only is she going to share ideas on how to solve these issues and the impact of these issues, but she has lived it. Hmm. I know she's going to end up sharing a part of her story. She's lived workforce bullying and in a family-owned business. Wow. I had the opportunity to meet Leslie a couple of months ago. We've we've done some Zoom happy hours since. Unfortunately, just so you know, we're not doing happy hour right now. We'll do that right after that. <laughs> but Leslie has extremely diverse history. She's been in 35 years in senior management roles in international insurance businesses. She's now has a company called Leslie August Corporation. But what I love about it is she's part of something called Workplace Bullying Institute. Hmm. Workplace Bullying University. And Mike, most of our guests, Leslie has a real passion. She cares about changing things. And you're not only going to hear about the journey, but some of her ideas on what we can do to 
eradicate workplace bullying in the in the in our businesses. So welcome, Leslie. Yeah, glad to have you. Thank you very much, both of you. What a great introduction. <laughs> so Leslie, give us a little bit of the story. Fill in some of the gaps from that intro. So um, yeah, how do you get from all these years of international insurance experience to a company that's mission is really to work on reducing the complaints, costs, claims, lawsuits associated with employment practices. It seems like a big leap. Um, so let me fill in some of the <laughs> blanks there, right? <laughs> so yes, you, you were right. My background is um, in international insurance and, and specifically in a niche of international insurance related to international trade and trade facilitation. And that goes back quite a few years. I also have, it, it was punctuated with some um, other entrepreneurial ventures. One uh, that I'll mention was because I it was fun and, and kind of interesting is that I was a co-founder, co-owner of the first digital film and video editing facility in New York back wow. in the 90s. So um, that's a whole other interesting story, <laughs> um, but um, but it, it feeds into being an entrepreneur. Mm. So the uh, the pathway from all this um, international business and insurance to the workplace bullying uh, happened because I was brought in to the business um, from the West Coast to the headquarters in the Chicago area to help with a situation where there had been a bully um, hired into the business. I didn't know that terminology at the time. Hmm. And the person had created quite a toxic environment, which was not really being acknowledged, recognized, mm. or dealt with by the most senior management, but which was negatively impacting uh, the people below. So I was brought in to deal with that. And I had a, a, about a year and a half experience of learning about what the impact was, seeing it firsthand with people's mental and physical health impact of being in that environment, and then ultimately being bullied out of the company at the mm -hmm. highest level because my requirement was that we start from the top down to have a culture and um, an enforcement process to deal with anything like this that came up in the future. And that was not supported by the board. So, wow. um, <laughs> so off I went. And as I thought about what I was going to do next, uh, it made sense to combine the, the insurance side, which is the employment practices, liability insurance aspect, where workplace bullying would be covered Mm. with my passion to to minimize or eliminate it in the workplace. Wow. Now, can you define for us what workplace bullying is? Because some people might think, I mean, I, I have not heard that term before, and it sounds like it could be just a really bad manager to somebody who is intentionally causing harm to others, psychologically or physically. Right. So, no, you're right. And, and I think that's an important distinction um, because you can have a bad manager who just, you know, is bad with everybody. 
you know, <laughs> runs around yelling and I'm giving the obvious right. uh, example, but um, there is an agreed upon definition that okay. came out of the Workplace Bullying Institute. I'm actually going to read it so okay. that we have a common understanding. Yeah. Uh, this is from the Workplace Bullying Fact Sheet by uh, Dr. Gary Namey. There is an agreed upon set of defining conditions for bullying. Unwelcome, unsolicited misconduct of targeted employees, repeated behaviors, repeated being important, that constitute a pattern over time, harm or injury exacerbated by prolonged exposure, perpetrator's intent to distress or control the target, hmm. And the abuser typically has more power and the targets cannot defend themselves. Hmm. So that that's the criteria. Okay. Wow, that's, that's really interesting because I had a similar question on my mind as Craig asked, and so many of those things jumped out at me. Why don't we just dig into that right now? Because as Craig pointed out, that's not a phrase we hear a lot. I've heard it a little bit, but honestly, I really started thinking about it after meeting you, Leslie. Mm -hmm. And the, the phrases that hit me were targeted. Mm -hmm. was something jumped out repeated behavior yeah and then i heard pattern mm -hmm. i heard the intent and the phrase i wrote was power differential you did talk yeah. about power mm -hmm. and there's a couple of elements but those are really each one of those means a lot so can you put some put some meat on this idea of what does bullying workplace bullying look like or give a story that that maybe yeah. explains that Yes, um, I think stories are always good to kind of explain um, or just des describe what what actually happens in these mm -hmm. situations. So um, examples of bullying are when somebody is being targeted. In other words, they are being singled out. And they may be singled out by one person or by several people. Mm. Okay. Terminology when that person is being singled out by several people is it's often called mobbing and mm. mobbing is a term that comes from the European research um, that's been done on workplace bullying, which precedes what's been done here in, in North America. So they, okay. they have a, a deeper history than we do um, on the research side. Mm -hmm. So the person being targeted could be. For instance, um, somebody who's being interrupted during meetings consistently, who is not allowed to express their ideas, who may be given work below their capabilities. On a kiss, they're always given the, the wow. worst assignments. Um, it could be, it, it even goes so far as, <clears throat> and I've seen uh, instances of this, people being given performance reviews that are actually lies. They don't reflect the person's actual performance. Yeah. Now they're on record and they have to be appealed or uh, wow. opposed in some way. So that happens. There's the obvious of people yelling and screaming. There's also demeaning and intimidation. <clears throat> I'll give you an example of one I just saw recently. Um, this was a, a, a text exchange that was sent to me from somebody mm. and the person who was being targeted, um, had contacted their superior and said, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but 
you know, this is not going to be able to happen this afternoon for X, Y, and Z reasons, but by seven o'clock tomorrow morning, it will be handled and let me know if you need anything else. I happen to know the background on the situation. So take my word for it, that this was not an employee who was an underperformer. Mm -hmm. This was a very dedicated long-term person who had a commitment to the organization. And the response to that text was, I'm sick and tired of hearing you tell me how I'm going to run my business and when I'm going to process payments. If you can't change that attitude, perhaps you should find alternate employment. Wow. Yeah. Very heavy handed. The, Sounds like the, solid feedback to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that was sarcasm, folks. Yeah. <laughs> the, the bully went on further to say, um, you, that is unacceptable. You need to change your attitude. And the uh, target did not respond at that point. But that's an example of of a real situation that happened when I, I about the same time, I, I've been having uh, conversations with employment practices, liability insurance, underwriters and claims directors. And these are the people who see the actual claims that get to the insurance level. Um, one of the things that we've been discussing is this fact that bullying often underlies a sexual harassment or discrimination mm -hmm. claim. Yeah. But it often it often starts there. And this gentleman was the national director for EPL for an insurance company. And he said to me, you cannot believe the things people put in writing an email. <laughs> like he, he said, you cannot believe the amount of bullying that goes on in email. And of course, with the situation we're in now with COVID-19, where we're not face to face as much, that's just gotten worse. Yeah. One thing that fascinates me about this, Leslie, and I think you and I talked about this on a call several weeks ago, it seems to me that there's a lot more of this going on that people don't perceive as bullying yeah. because it's like the, the term is kind of out of place based on my experience. You know, when I think of bullying, I think of being in school and it was an overt physical threat was bullying. Right. And I think today, so much of the bullying is really subtle. Yeah. That wasn't that subtle, but in a way it wasn't. It wasn't a physical threat. And it was, you know, it was a threat of employment. But can you talk to the challenges that exist because the nature of the subtlety sometimes of this bullying? Yes, um, that is a that's a big challenge for people that are targeted, because while there is the more overt physical aspect of it being somebody who towers over the target, who stands in their doorway and comes at them verbally, very aggressively. Or I've heard of one recently where this boss would come into somebody's office and literally sit on the edge of their desk and just kind of hang over them. So there are those kind of intimidation tactics, yeah. but more often it's, <clears throat> like a divide and conquer mentality where the bully will say to the employee, and I had this situation, um, you know, 
I don't really think you need to be going over to the billing department to ask them questions. If you have a question, you need to come to me. So they're mm. kind of creating this divide and conquer situation or making wow. it harder for the person to do their job. Yeah. And that's kind of subtle because it's it's basically saying, okay, this is my turf. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be in the loop so that I feel some sense of of accomplishment or whatever the, of authority and you can't go around me. Right. And I never would have considered that as bullying. Uh, that just sounds like a really poor manager. <laughs> Well, I think in, 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 on its own, that wouldn't necessarily be bullying. But when yeah. you start to add up all the other behaviors mm-hmm. that were going on, okay, that was just one instance of what this person was doing. So singling people out. So you were talking about sexual harassment. I would imagine this also happens in any kinds of differences that people may have, whether it's religion, race, or or other factors, you know, political beliefs or or what have you. And so I could imagine that 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 would be something that can be per- pervasive. And you know, certain people are going to be very strong strong opinions about certain things. Um, is that across the board like that? And when somebody is it just a matter of making somebody feel bad that 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 starts to become a bullying situation? Well, I think it, there has to be some some other criteria, but I so we've got there's not a lot of difference between bullying and harassment and discrimination okay. with the exception that harassment and discrimination are illegal against protected classes. Hmm. So the reason that a lot of these claims end up being called harassment or discrimination when really they're bullying is because that's how you can have some legal recourse. Oh, okay. Okay. So if a white male who's not disabled and who's under the age of 40 is being bullied, they're, they're not in a protected class. Right. If a white female, is being bullied by another white female and the one being targeted is under the age of 40, not a protected class, has no legal recourse. Wow. So that's why there's advocacy for legislation on Mm. bullying, because there are people that are not in protected classes that have almost no legal recourse unless they can prove something like um, hostile environment. Yeah. I just think it's sad that we have to address this to begin with. I mean, it's like, why can't we get along, folks? Yeah. But yeah. it's yeah. it's um, no one wants to talk about it, right? I mean, it's it's really kind of it's very ugly. Yeah, but imagine the the person who's experiencing that may also have a lot of questions and doubts about whether it is bullying, whether it's something that is, you know, is it just me that's thinking this or you know, and if they're talking to somebody else, you know, does that blow it out of proportion or is, you know, where does that line come in and who do they talk to? Do they talk to the HR? Do they talk to, you know, attorneys? We call it psychological abuse. And really what I'm advocating for is psychological safety in the workplace. Absolutely. Right. So it's, harder for people to wrap their heads around the the anti-bullying thing. It sounds very, you know, we're going to be out there with our flags and and picketing in front of your office, but really it's about psychological safety in the workplace. And the reason 
for me, I feel very strongly that business and organizations are going to be far more successful and have far more employee engagement if the people feel, if the staff feel psychologically safe. Totally. That's kind of, you know, the end game for me. Yeah, absolutely. What do you call it, Jeff? Which end game? Oh, return on safety. Yeah. I think it's the next best and most appropriate and needed return thinking. What's our return on safety? I think COVID brought it home, but it's really all the things. Physical, emotional, psychological safety. Yeah. If, if I don't feel safe, I'm not going to engage. If I don't feel safe, I just won't. Yeah. If I don't just feel won't. safe, I will protect. And mm -hmm. that means right. disengage and hang around the edges. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do want to get into the, the bigger picture of safety and impact and costs. I think this is so important. One clarification I'm curious about, Leslie, you said it typically requires that targeted person. And it made me think, because I've been in some situations where my clients had a bully leader. My, that's my judgment, my mm -hmm. word. They're a bully. And I was, as you were describing, I'm thinking, well, but they did it to everybody. But then I realized they really didn't. They, they engaged in the behavior with everybody. But often there was one person who was tr got extra hyper treatment. Mm -hmm. And what I also noticed in that case in particular they were, I would describe as the most bullyable hmm. of the entire group. This is something I thought about years ago in a different context of bullies bully the bullyable. That's what <laughs> yeah. they do. They they go for they go for they're looking for that person that they know they can bully because bullies don't like to be stood up to. Correct. So they're going to pick that person that has a weakness they perceive, and they're just going to poke at that. Yeah. So the behavior may be widespread. But it's not only an impact on one person, but you can see how they, they turn the knob with that one person. Yes. And I think it's it's a little bit of an um, inaccuracy to talk about the bullied target as the weakest person. Um, the bully may perceive the weakness in that that person is not likely to stand up to them. But really, that bully target is often very competent, mm -hmm. very good at their job, and perceived as a threat in some way yeah. to the bully. Yeah, I can see that. So a high performer, actually, yes. who you know, makes, makes them look bad yes. <laughs> in comparison. They, they perceive that they're the, a threat from this person in some way, shape, or <laughs> form. And this person, you know, who I feel this is really important that... Just because somebody is not wired to be able to have that snappy comeback to the bully does not mean there's anything wrong with them. Yeah. There, is, there are just some people who prefer to deal with conflict by thinking, this is going to go away. I'm going to let this roll off my back. Right. I'm not going to engage with this person. This does not deserve my response. Yep. But really with a bully you really, sh for for the best opportunity to shut them down is to have a response to them that pushes back. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that one time that I can think of and just in a work environment, it was somebody who was just, you know, probably 10, 15 years older, ex-Special Forces, and he would just get up in my grill and yell and cuss at me and so forth. 
for no real reason. And, uh, you know, finally I, I just like, Mike, no more, don't do this anymore. I'm, I'm tired of this. I don't want it. I don't want this anymore. And he was like, Oh, I didn't realize you felt that way. <laughs> and it stopped, but you know, I'm sure that there's so many situations where, you know, somebody's not willing to stand up or, you know, the, the other person is not willing to make that change. Yeah. And, you know, they may not be willing to stand up because they're also concerned about losing their job. Yeah. Or right. Physical. And I, you know, I don't want to underestimate or minimize the fact, especially now that people are nervous about having jobs yeah. and they may not want to rock the boat and they may be more willing to put up with it. it yeah. It's at a cost to their psychological and even physical health. Absolutely. But that's a decision that some people have to make. Hmm. So let me ask you what could be a very messy question, Leslie, and I like messy <laughs> questions because you could throw, you know, throw a grenade back at me. That's cool. So when I grew up, I go back to growing up, there were bullies in school. And what my dad taught me about bullies, this was dad's son lesson, was the only way to deal with a bully is to stand up to them. Because bullies are trying to intimidate and scare and play the game, but they don't want to deal with people who will stand up to them. Now, my dad's advice was a little more specific. His, his advice was because there was a guy bullying me and he said, here's what you do. Right. Next time he does it, ball up your fist as hard as you can and hit him right in the nose. And I said, well, I'll probably get suspended and the fighting goes, doesn't matter. He'll never bully you again. Yeah. So I'm not suggesting that, but I think right. you talked about standing up to people. And while I feel bad at kind of thinking that it's now it's on the responsibility of that person, but I think back to workplace bullying that I've been around, it stopped most often when that person pushed back. Yeah and stood mm -hmm. up to them. So I'm curious in terms of how, what you advise people to solve this, what are you telling the targets? What are you telling the companies? Like what's, we've talked a lot about what it is and what it can mm -hmm. look like, but what's the solution here? So it depends on the situation. This is one of those, it depends um, answers. If you have a sympathetic senior manager who, if they knew you were being bullied, would take the matter into hand and make sure that it stopped, mm -hmm. you're very lucky. It doesn't often happen that way. And one of the reasons it doesn't is because bullies are very, very good at brown nosing up. So they make friends and their golf buddies and their Starbucks buddies with the people that they need to be on their side, yeah. which then makes it very difficult for that person who's senior to both the bully and the target to see what's really going on. And they don't want to believe it because this person's their friend now. So if you can, but if you can find that sympathetic senior manager who has no tolerance for this, mm -hmm. um, and you can go to them with a with a an unemotional argument. So you've you've kept kept a record, you've kept a log of all these various incidents where you were shut down in a meeting, where you weren't included on the email with um, essential information that you needed to do your job, where uh, somebody forgot to get you the tech support they said they were going to get you. All these different things that add up to you being stymied 
to do a good job to wit. I mean, it could be gossiping behind your back where yeah. I had one instance where somebody was coming into a new job and the supervisor that she was going to be working for told all the existing employees, Oh, this person's coming in. She's phenomenal. She's so uh, good at what she does. She's going to just, you know, she's going to shake things up here, blah, blah, blah. So by the time this person was brought in for a first day of work, everybody on the job was scared to death that they were going to lose their jobs because of this person. They hated wow. her already. Hmm. So, so recording these kind of things and then taking them up a level, if it's your supervisor that's doing the bullying, or if it's somebody else from another department, take it to your supervisor and say, look, at this is what's going on. I can't be productive. Yeah. I need your intervention here. And then hopefully <laughs> there's a process that HR has in place and you have the support of somebody within the somebody senior within the organization that's kind of an ideal situation that often doesn't happen um well, before the, you go on, let me ask you a question about that ideal situation even that seems like a really like some uncharted territory a real challenge because not only you have to find that person but then i'm wondering so is that senior person going to basically intervene for you and now do it for you now. Right. And and a lot of the evidence, because a lot of it comes down to repeated behavior and patterns, can look like normal if you don't have the full context. So mm -hmm. the manager can say, well, wait a minute, this is just everyday stuff. This isn't bullying. Right. Uh, and the other one that hit me is, you know, I think a lot of managers hear this and say, wait a minute, that's drama. I don't want to deal with drama. Or part of your growth is you need to learn to deal with things like that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not actually incorrect in the sense there are things we need to learn to navigate. Mm -hmm. So this seems like really messy stuff. It's super messy. And Jeff, you bring up a couple of really good points. I would certainly recommend if you feel that this is happening to you and you can, before you ever go to that sympathetic senior manager or before you ever go to HR, go to the person who's perpetrating the behavior, yes. sit down with them and say, this is what I'm experiencing. Now, sometimes it's more subtle, but even have that list, doesn't have to be formal, have that log of instances where you felt like this was not right. And one of the ways I tell people to figure out or think about how they can determine is it bullying or is it not is following an interaction with the person that you feel is bullying you when you come out of that situation do you feel empowered do you feel uplifted do you feel engaged or do you feel smaller do you feel contracted uh, but it you know, seems like in so many cases that's going to be not the case even with normal managers who are not bullying because they're just not encouraging and supportive. Um, but I guess I also wonder on the group dynamics and the culture, you know, if you have a culture of intolerance related to things like that, it seems to me that the other people around that may observe this kind of behavior can also step up and say, yes, no, this is not the way we do it here. You know, so it may be a new person coming in that doesn't understand the culture, 
that that's not acceptable behavior? And, you know, does, is this something that's required of, you know, training for everybody that comes in? Is it, is it ongoing training? I mean, there's a whole bunch of different pieces here. Well, ideally, you, you would have a, an anti-bullying policy and procedure in place. Okay. I advocate for that because I think it gives HR and everybody in the organization, it, it gives you a place to start. It defines yeah. the problem. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the um, powerful pieces of that is you can have an informal process that precedes the actual formal complaint. Mm-hmm. So whereas with um, certain protected classes and, and certain situations like sexual harassment, if you bring that up to HR, they have to make a complaint, right? Yeah. But with bullying, that's not the case. You could have an informal group of expert, a peer experts who understand what it is how to define it, what the situation is that can help the target understand whether they're actually being bullied or not before it gets escalated even Mm. to HR. Yeah. So that's one of the recommendations that we make that you have an expert peer group who's been trained to understand what it is and what to advise somebody who thinks that they're being targeted and how to help them navigate it. So does that is that usually inside the company or do you also have the potential for external resources so that they don't taint the environment? You know, you want to have it internal if you can. Okay. I know other um, allies of mine who have uh, similar businesses um, working in training. Uh, some of them advocate for the external Mm-hmm. resource. If the company has made a declaration by having going through the process of putting a policy in place, you would think that that commitment means that they're going to want to resolve it internally at as low a level as possible. Yeah. So something just hit me, Leslie, and I'm wondering if this is a challenge to making improvements in this area. It's the terminology. Mm-hmm. So, and listen, the term is bullying. And if you look at some of the phrases, someone is targeted or they are a target. And so I think about that informal approach, and I'll just pretend it's me. If someone comes to me and says, Jeff, um, Craig is accusing you of bullying, it's pretty easy. I've got to be incredibly open to hear that. Mm-hmm. Because of the word alone, the word alone can say for make me say absolutely not. So I'm wondering how much is the language and the descriptions keeping these con- productive, let's get things better conversations from happening? Because I'm going to deny it at all. I'm just I'm just managing this person. Well, it's kind of right. like coming back to saying hey, I'm not a racist. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the word. The other word that's you know to, for some people that's such an inflammatory word. Yeah. They're not going to be open to, well, tell me more about that. Or I'm not sexist. I'm not, you know, whatever. Right. I do think the word can be difficult. Um, We've had a lot of conversations about whether it should be called workplace abuse. I'm not sure that's any better. Not really. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
But what about this? I'm going to just throw this idea out there because you said um, you use the word impact a lot. And I'm a, Craig and I talk a lot about impact from a leadership. How do we create the impact we want to have? And there's a lot of times we create unintended impact. And I'm wondering if some of these labels only really matter when we get to the point that we haven't resolved it. For example, without this conversation, if someone I knew described what you described to me and said what to do, what I would probably say is I would encourage you to go to that person or to that manager. But when you talk to them, talk a little bit about what happened. Mm -hmm. Talk a lot about the impact on you. Mm -hmm. They understand. So if you say, I I feel unsafe at work, Mm -hmm. I feel demeaned and belittled at work. That's so much more impactful, no pun intended, than just telling the story about it. And so I guess I'm wondering if the labels really only matter once we're to the point that we're going to have to address this in a very formal way. That's a good point. And I I like some of the language. I think um, I think when the target goes to whether it's HR or their supervisor, whoever they're they're going to initially for support, those incidents should be connected with what the impact was. So for instance, you know, there are these series of emails that I should have been included on that I wasn't, I felt, at that point, I couldn't do my job because I didn't have the information I needed. I couldn't be as productive. I wasn't able to achieve the departmental goals that were set. I mean, I think all that impact is, instead of saying I'm being bullied, you want to say this is what's happening and this is the impact that it's having. Not, and it could be not only impact on me, my coworkers, depending upon what it is. Yeah. And, and the performance of the department even. Wow. I mean, this is really, we've talked about this before, Leslie, but even this conversation is really opening my eyes to the extent of the problem, but also the challenges in changing the outcome. Because like you talked about leaving people off of emails, I hear that complaint all the time. Yep. Yeah. And the person will say, well, I just forgot. But then if there's a pattern, like I hear that all the time. And I don't think it's just a mistake. I think that's, Boy, this is. We had it on Mastermind Monday earlier this week. Did you? Yeah. Well, I mean, where we, you know, for one of the things that we do at Cartavera is we have Mastermind Mondays where we bring people together, we help solve each other's problems, and one of the one of the people came in and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I used to practically run the department, and now they brought in some other people. It is now impacting me because now they're not inviting me to these meetings or this, that, and the other, and I don't feel like." You know, I'm, I'm wondering, do I have a job in the future? What's going on? So they don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the, um, one of the things I brought up, I, I recently wrote an article about the five uh, increased risks for workplace bullying complaints during COVID-19, because initially, mm-hmm. and you'll see some of the research informal research that's out there says, oh, it's much better in the workplace because people don't have to be there and confronting or dealing with, you know, their, their, uh, the negative relationships directly, but it also can, can make things worse. And one of the things that I, I was noting was that 58% of employees 
um, surveyed by SHRM, the HR organization, quit a job due to workplace culture and said specifically communication with their managers, mm-hmm. that that was the main reason, 58%, the main reason that they left their jobs. So this communication issue, now maybe it's just a communication issue and maybe it's not really bullying. And maybe it's they are purposely excluding this person because they don't want them in the next generation of the organization or whatever. But you got to talk to the person. Right. You don't deal with it by just leaving them off emails. Yeah. That's one of the things that that really drove Jeff and I to create Cartavera was to help combat some of that. You know, we realized that there's so much dysfunction in a lot of organizations that if we can resolve that, and it, and it really comes back to the leadership and the, the people are leading in every, every direction and every level, but it's, it comes back to, are people willing to stand up and say, you know, this is, this doesn't feel good. This is not right. This is, you know, the way that you're treating that person. No, we all have the capability of standing up for those people around us as well as for ourselves. Yeah. Leslie, I'm curious about something. Cause we haven't talked a lot about the power issue which is mm-hmm. a very top of mind thing for me. I talk yeah. a lot about the important with talking to leaders about how they have to learn to be more aware of the ways they misuse their power, sometimes unintended. So I'm mm-hmm. big on power awareness, but here's my question. Are we finding in the surveys and the studies when we come to bullying specifically, is it more, I'm going to get, just say, that, is it more likely that women are going to be bullied than men? Is there, are we seeing any statistical difference there? Um, and I guess that's my first question. And the reason um, I say yeah. that is because there's culturally a power differential. Right. Already. Right. So I'm going to um, read off some of those statistics um, because I, it, it'll be clearer if I can. And there's several of them. So let's. I don't want to get them confused. So 37% of adult Americans report either being bullied themselves or witnessing bullying of others. That's about a little over 60 million US workers who have direct wow. experience with bullying, either because they saw it firsthand or they were they were bullied. Okay, so that gives you a little bit of a context. There were another uh, 63% of the American public is aware of its existence. So there's a lot of people that know it happens in in business. Some have actually been bullied, some have witnessed it, and some know about it because maybe they knew somebody who got bullied or whatever. Women are the majority of the targets. So 65% of the targets are women. And, but 30% of the abusers are women. Hmm. And women yeah. bully women at twice the rate that they bully men. Say that last one again, Leslie. I want to just hear women, it again. Women bully women at twice the rate that they bully men. And okay, so that doesn't surprise that doesn't surprise me right. in that it's compared to men. Right. Now, 
to address your thing about the, the power differential, bullying is mostly top down where perpetrators outrank their targets in 61% of cases. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I would have expected a lot more in the peer-to-peer -peer as well. There is, I mean, there are a lot of instances of peer-to-peer. -peer. There's actually some instances of subordinate to superior. Hmm. And I, I always think of that as if you've got a, a subordinate who is a key person because of some knowledge they have or some skill they have, and it would be very difficult to replace them. Yeah. There's a situation where there is a power differential, even though yeah. that person is not senior. Yeah. Technical expert. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. I see you thinking, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's always doing really that. Interesting numbers. Um, <laughs> really interesting numbers. Like I said, I suspected the women would be higher, not just because they're bullied by men and women, but there's a power differential culturally, right. irrespective of their position in the company. That's just yeah. sadly a cultural reality yes. uh, that needs to change, but it hasn't changed yet. Um, and, and I certainly have heard many times from other women talking about this idea of how poorly women treat each other in the workplace. Mm -hmm. and, um, I guess one thing coming up for me, Leslie, you, I mean, you exist <laughs> to try and change things, obviously. <laughs> and you're very knowledgeable about what bullying is and, and what it means. And I guess this thing coming up for me is not the tactics right now, but is there a way of thinking that has to change or we can start to drive a way of thinking that becomes more of a cultural shift in this? Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you definitely hit on something that that's going to be very important. I, I feel like I'm part of a wave that is going to be pushed from behind, definitely by the millennials. Um, even though I'm far past that, but the where people are just not going to accept that kind of treatment. Mm. Um, they're not going to accept a lack of transparency and there's going to be a wave against a militaristic top-down management style where people say, you know, when somebody says why to their manager and they say, because I told you so. That's Why are the highway? Right. My way, their highway. It's, it's just not going to fly anymore. There's too much. Good. Yeah. There's just too much transparency on the Internet about what companies are good to work for and which ones aren't. Yep. And you're not going to be able to attract top talent. If you're going to tolerate that kind of behavior in the workplace. Right. But it does need to be a, a concerted effort. From the C-suite and from our leaders to see that this this is not good for the bottom line. Like even if you don't care about people, <laughs> you 
it's not good for the bottom line. You're well, not going to get the best out of people. Well, if you don't care about people, you shouldn't be in leadership anyway, <laughs> you know, right. in, in a positional right. leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that cost, Leslie. I think that's an important awareness. Yeah. What is the cost that businesses may not be seeing? And maybe it'll get their attention to say, I need to keep an eye on this. Right. Okay, so that cost is not insignificant. And I think that companies don't realize that this is not just a cost of doing business that they have to absorb, that they can do something about it. And that's part of um, what I try to get them to see, that every time somebody feels, or every time there's an actual incident of bullying or abuse or harassment or discrimination in the organization, all of a sudden, that person obviously is not productive. So you're losing yeah. your, your investment in that one person. If it's, um, if it's a persistent or pervasive problem, you're going to have higher turnover. Every time you replace somebody, it costs, they say, one and a half times the salary of the person you're replacing, right? So you've got increased turnover. You've got absenteeism. You can calculate the cost of absenteeism where people just don't want to show up at work. They take every day of their PTO that they yeah. possibly can and maybe unpaid leave. Yeah. You, you've got presenteeism. <laughs> That's right. People are scared to take a day off. They don't, they are, and I've heard this. I, I wasn't sure how real it was, but people are scared to take a day off because it leaves them open to more criticism. Hmm. There's a cost to that. That person that doesn't want to take their PTO, they're not at their best. Yeah. They haven't gotten a break. You've got the cost of disability claims, your disability insurance. You've got the cost of workers' compensation claims. All that is tied in with people who are having physical reactions to an unsafe psychological workplace. Yeah. You've got just medical claims, anxiety, mm. depression. It all adds up. And then let's add in the cost of your insurance because you're, you know, you're probably going to have employment practices, liability insurance. Those those underwriters are going to increase your premiums if you've got a lot of losses. Yeah. And yeah, I've seen entire cost of defense, right? Right. Yeah, I've seen entire divisions be decimated in a company because of you know one one manager not doing what they need to be doing, you know, making it an, an unsafe feeling workspace or work environment. Yeah. It, it it's very destructive and it's it's very it's highly toxic and it's it it draws on the bottom line yeah. all those costs you know I, I can just tell you that you know just the cost to a small business to separate from somebody who who had a very big claim potentially you know was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars wow so uh, putting on my lawyer hat here, my ex-lawyer <laughs> hat, recovered lawyer hat, Leslie, I've used to be part of these types of conversations about risk 
Yeah. And I could see businesses hearing some of this and saying, you know, with all these standards and all these things that have to be proven, they say to their lawyer, how likely are we to lose a lawsuit over this? And I could see lawyers saying, you know what, you're not very likely to lose a lawsuit over this because the burden of proof. However, my lawyer hat would say, but your cost of that litigation is going to be astronomical. Even if you do prevail, the cost is going to be, and that's before we even, that's, you know, without looking at all these other costs of loss of productivity, turnover, and all these things. So I think I would, I guess I'm saying the businesses out there, when you're looking at this, look at the whole picture. Don't look at just, hey, can you, you know, how likely are you going to get caught? Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to say that, but I think a lot of business people look at some of these issues that way. Because they don't want to change. Yeah, they don't want to change. And I think you bring up a really interesting point about the, the, the legal consequences. I heard a situation from a, a claims director in the past couple of weeks saying that he had a client who went to court, won, and the they were awarded a dollar, but then they had, then they have in this particular state, they've got fee shifting. So they had to pay all the fees from the other side. Wow. So you really have to, yeah. And, and that's a state by state thing. There are states that have fee shifting as Jeff, you may know if you're a recovering lawyer. <laughs> so I, I think the, the issue you know, we're not going to change every business and every person. No. Um, I think there are going to be some that just don't think it's important and don't get it. But you're talking to leaders and your audience are leaders who do want to make a positive impact. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think it just comes down to if we can just treat other people with respect and understand how they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And have the conversation, have the openness to be able to say, you know, if I'm, if you ever feel unsafe by the things that I do or the things that I say, please talk to me about that. Yeah. Because I care about you. Right. It's very hard for me to separate a relate, a business relationship with somebody from a human relationship with somebody. And I think Amen. that's, yeah. And I think that's really the message here is yes. these are, you know, we're all human beings. We're all trying to do yep. our best. And I have seen instances where employees will darn it, go to the mat for you if they trust you. Absolutely. And I, ha- you know, I, I like to tell this one story. Do we have time for one short story? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So this one story, um, about the situation that I was in, and I call it the break room story. (laughs) So the break room story is about this division that had been created between departments, um, two big segments of the organization where um, one side, which was the accounting and IT and finance and admin side of the company, um, and the customer service operations, business development side of the company had been splintered 
So they weren't really communicating with each other because of the behavior of a bully. I, I talked a little bit about this earlier where they couldn't yeah. talk to each other across departments. And in the break room, the tables were divided up so that when each of those groups came into the break room, they always sat at separate tables. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't really cross-pollinating at all. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously this is very destructive. You know, it's not it's not healthy. And people wanted to talk to each other. They would communicate after hours via personal communication methods so that wow. they could find out the information they needed to do their job. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, totally crazy. Wow. Totally crazy. So. The day, the first day after the bully had been separated from the organization and everybody knew that it was a legal done deal. I came into the office that morning and I went in to the break room to get my cup of coffee. And all of a sudden, completely unsolicited, the tables had been brought together in one big table. <laughs> so they wanted it to happen and they allowed him to, wow. Yeah, and so, I didn't ask anybody to do it. it. Certainly wasn't the cleaning crew, but people were so relieved and so anxious to be collaborating hmm. and to be working together that that one demonstration of the tape, they were just somebody must have, a couple people must have stayed late the night before or come in early and just pulled everything together. That's a good story about the the heart of the people working and and what they really want. Yeah. And that, that you know, you just get out of their way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're going to work together. They're going to they're going to they're going to be on board with you and they're yeah. going to be working to achieve your mission. Just treat them right. Right. Gosh. So I, I'm really curious Leslie, I know we keep using the phrase workplace bullying. We've talked about toxic environments. We've talked about the goal is to have a psychologically safe workplace. You know, we all know and hear the term constantly team engagement, people engagement, employee engagement. Virtually every company says they want to do better at that. And the stats say that everybody can do better. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of the lack of engagement happens not because something was done wrong, I'll just use that word, but because nothing was done. Mm. So in other words, the, the, the neutrality, the absence of encouragement, all that minimizes engagement. But here, this type of behavior, I would say, is not neutral at all. It's actually going to create disengagement. So it's an active. So can you talk more about where does workplace bullying fit when it comes to the topic of engagement? I'm very, very passionate about employee engagement, obviously. Um, and, and workplace bullying is, is clearly, as you just said, the one end of the spectrum, right? That's one end where you're actually creating employee disengagement. Yeah. The first thing I think the most important thing with employee engagement is trust. <laughs> Absolutely. I, 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 I mean, I, I know it's cliche, but 
And and when I say it's trust, not cliche, if it's true, <laughs> that's right. Trust to me is do what you say you're going to do. If you have this mission and these values that say you treat people with dignity and respect in one phraseology or another, yeah. then do it. And if you don't do it, you will not get employee engagement. So if you put policies and procedures in place, whether it's anti-bullying, anti-harassment, anti-discrimination, et cetera, et cetera, and you don't enforce those, or you don't take complaints seriously, or you don't do credible investigations, you are not going to have employee engagement. They are not going to trust you. Yeah. I guess it's it's also a matter of making it clear how they address an issue. So if they feel like they're experiencing something, I, you you had talked earlier about having a you know a process, and I think the clearer that that process is, and under what circumstances you know this looks like, that that would help to resolve that as long as. People are actually following up after they say something. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of a pretty high instance of um, situations where um, companies don't respond. I'll I'll throw out some more statistics here just because I think it it helps to to draw the picture. Um, 72% of employers do not correct or prevent bullying after it's reported. Hmm. That's a huge number. Yeah. That, by the way, is the largest percentage you've cited today. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so to break that down a little bit, 25% deny that it's happening. 16% discount it. Oh, it's just drama. You know, that's one that Jeff and I have talked about. 15% 15% rationalize it. Well, you know, if we're going to get the results we want, we've got to push forward. We've got to be aggressive. We've got to make sure we get those results, right? Yeah, whether we run over people or not. Right, right. 11% defend it. That's our culture here. That's how we've gotten where we are. Mm. You know, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for a, a, a culture SOB. of of uh, aggression and achievement, right? 5% actually encourage it. Hmm. They think that that's the way to get results. Old school. Yeah, very old school at this point. Wow. Yeah, and no wonder we have the issues with the incoming or the influx of the millennials and their perspective. You know, and I I say that it's, it's their perspective, but really any anybody that has self-respect, I would think would, would want the same types of things. Look, I want to have transparency in in what's going on in my world. I want to understand what I should be doing and maybe what, what's out of bounds for those things. But you also need to be taking care of me in the sense of I am here to serve you, but you're also here to serve me. Well, that's why I think, um, the servant leadership movement has become so yeah. popular and Absolutely. is is so compelling um, because leaders that look at themselves as being in service to those that are doing the work and getting the job done, yeah. 
get a whole different level of respect <laughs> than than those that feel like these people below me are doing my bidding and they're right. there for my benefit. They don't just get the respect, they also get the performance. Yes. Yeah, the performance and the productivity. Yeah, and the hearts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because my skill at being a leader or my innate talent at being a leader is not a better skill than your innate talent for being a software developer. Right. Yeah, it's a just good, a different skill. Yeah, yeah it's just point. a different skill. Yep. We're really on the same level. Right. Wow. wow. This, yeah. Very good point. This has been fascinating, Leslie. I'm sitting here. I've got a lot to think about. <laughs> and I'll tell you, my big takeaway to think about is something I asked earlier. Wondering if there's a way to, what are the best ways to approach this without getting into the labels Mm-hmm. of the behavior versus addressing the behavior and the impact of it. Because, I mean, I will tell you, honestly, there are times I've sat with clients, typically that are team members, because it's a way to support them by saying, look, this person, they're a bully. Yeah. And it helps them to see that. And usually they don't even see it. Usually they'll say, no, I'm not looking at criteria. They'll kind of go, oh, my God, that's exactly what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. But going to that person and saying, hey, we've got a development issue. You're a bully. We need to address it. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I think most people are going to go walls up Yep. versus going to them and saying, we have some real issues in the way your behavior and communication is impacting our team and their performance. And we need to deal with that de- development issue without calling it bullying. And I'm, I'm torn because I think it needs to be called what it is, but I think it will get in the way of an yeah. openness to change for the people who might be open to change. Now, if I'm going to just fire them for it, then I'm going to say, look, you're a bully. I'm firing you because you're a bully. But if I really want to try and see if I can develop them, I, I think the label, you know, and you're targeting Jane, there's, it's so easy to defend against that. So I think that the, we need to understand a little bit about that, that not all bullies are the same. Right. So there are people who are bullies because they didn't have good training, because they're in an environment where it's encouraged, um, they don't know a better way to do it, um, they're being pressured because of certain cir- circumstances that they're in. Those people definitely can be worked with and given training, and and you would want to approach them with, I don't think you really want to be having this impact on people, but this is what's happening, and you're coming, not you are a bully, you're coming across as a bully, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's how you want to be perceived, and I don't think that's your intention. Right. That's that's a very good way of approaching it. There are another category of people who they're kind of hardwired to be bullies. Mm -hmm. And there is, I mean, they're in the research, um, the medical research, you can see the evidence for this and you're not going to change them. Yeah. They, they are the way they are. The best shot you have is to bring in somebody who can do something like that 
what we call a respectful conduct clinic, which basically is the last resort for an organization that wants to try to retain somebody, salvage a situation, and give the person enough incentive to use different behaviors at work. So they're incentivized to change their behavior, even though their essential nature is probably not going to change. So, Jeff, I get what you're saying that you don't want to go in and say, you know, so-and-so says you're a bully. That's not helpful. <laughs> right? <laughs> in fact, it may contribute to more bullying. What, what did you say to that person? Yeah. Right, right, right. Or you're bullying them by calling, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not helpful. The communication is definitely important. And, yeah. and I think it's really um, I think it's good that you brought that into this conversation, mm -hmm. but I also think we have to understand that there are some people who it, it's going to be very, very difficult to salvage. Yeah. You know, one statistic you did not mention, I don't know if you have it, and if it's not available, I'd, I'd love to know this statistic is what percentage of the bullies are perceived by the company as high performers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't. My have guess that is it's very run. high. My guess is it's very high because yeah, that creates because that's one of the reasons the company protects them. That's one of the reasons right. the the companies justify it and defend it. And frankly, it's one of the things I think that the bullies believe that they are protected <laughs> that way. So I, I that'd be a real. Now it's a tough one to measure because what is high performance? But high performance. if you differ, differentiate a good employee versus a high performer. That'd be really interesting. I suspect it's a very high percentage. I think you're probably right. I don't have that stat handy, but I will go back and look it up. I think one thing that should be noted is that oftentimes these, these abusers, bullies, do a very good job of appearing to be high performers mm. when they're really not. Yeah. So Taking they credit. do... They do all the things that the people above them think they need to do to be perceived as high performers when really it's everybody under them that's doing all the work. Do they, uh, you know, steal the other person's homework and take credit for the, for the work that's done? Yes. There's a uh, lot of stealing. You know, this wow. is a really interesting one where managers will use this concept of soliciting other people's input. We're going to work oh, yeah. together to solve this problem. And then they just get everybody's ideas and use them as their own. Well, I love that. I, mean, I don't love the behavior. I love what you finish with. And that and that's why I was intentional in using the word they're perceived as high right. performers. Yes, good point. Because that's what matters, frankly, from the senior people, how they're perceived is how they're going to see them until they're, they're, they see something differently. Yeah. Leslie, this has been amazing. I, it is such, you know, I actually thought that it was going to be a less messy topic. <laughs> you, and I, you and I had had that really good conversation. Yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, we covered all the nuances. Oh my gosh. Not even <laughs> so I, I love your passion for this. I love your yeah. wisdom. I love all the ideas you've shared. Let's, um, as we wrap up, how, what, is there anything in particular you want to share with our listeners that's going on for you and your business right now? Well, I want to offer the listeners, if, if they've got an interest in the topic, um, 
I've got a couple of free resources that I've packaged specifically for um, this audience, leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, manage, senior managers, managers, um, and you can get it at my website. If you just, you can either contact me through the website and just say, Jeff and, and Craig's <laughs> podcast, and I'll make sure you get it. Or you can go in and look under resources, and there's a free gift for employers that you can, can access there. Um, if you just go to contact us and send me a contact form, I'll be glad to get it to you if you don't want to stumble around in the website. So um, my website is leslieaugust.com, and Leslie is spelled L-E-S-L-I-E, and August is just like the month, A-U-G-U-S-T. So leslieaugust.com, uh, it's called Free Gift for Employers. And if you happen to know somebody who's being bullied by chance or um, taken advantage of at work, I do have a free gift in there for employees. Um, and it's just called Free Gift. And that's also a package of resources um, so they could learn more about what they might do next. Hmm. Okay. Oh, thanks that. for sharing thanks that. For, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Leslie. You mentioned your website and different ways to reach out. If someone wants to reach out to you directly, is the best way through your website or somewhere else they want to connect with you? If they want to connect with me, they can do it through the website, through the contact form. And I also have some links on there just to set up a free consultation or my email is laugust at leslieaugust.com. Okay. Awesome. Gotcha. And can you be found on LinkedIn as well? I'm on LinkedIn under Leslie Levy August. Okay. I think I'm the only Leslie Levy August in there. <laughs> All right. And we always finish up with a question. And the question I want to leave us with today, Leslie is book. What's oh. the one book that folks need to the, really need to pick up to have more impact in whatever they're doing? I like the book right now, um, Drive by Daniel Pink. Yeah. Not real new, um, but I think it's a it's a very, very good reminder of the kind of uh, worker that we're dealing with, the kind of workplace that we're dealing with, the higher level tasks that people are doing, and how to motivate your employees. And I look at the motivation piece and the engagement piece kind of all combined and intertwined and understanding human drive and human motivation, I think is a great tool for uh, today's leaders. Hmm. Well, thank you for that, Leslie. And it's a great wrap to a great show and a great sharing of wisdom. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, both of you. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. 
We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cardivera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) (laughs) Right.